It's Wednesday, October the 3rd, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today I am joined by Christy Harmon, and Christy is our pregnancy counselor, uh, clinical director, our pregnancy counseling clinical director, and Christy does fantastic job overseeing our birth mother ministry, not only here in Alabama, but throughout our licensed states that are participating in birth mother ministry. And she does a fantastic job helping our staff minister well to these women, and she effectively ministers well to these women as well. And so today, I just thought we would get together, and there are a lot of common myths about women that place their babies for adoption. And a lot of a lot of things are said about them that are just untrue. And so what I thought we would do, Christy, is today I would give you just five myths and allow you to respond to those and how we know those aren't true and even giving some personal stories of what we've seen of how we know that these are not true. And so the the first thing that we hear is, and we even hear it in the language and vernacular, that women are giving up their children, uh, that they are just giving up their children as if they are a possession or property. So talk a little bit about debunking that myth that women are just giving up. Yeah, thanks, Herbie. I, it breaks my heart when um, women are stigmatized with this language of giving up because it's really the opposite. You know, we give up. When I think about spring cleaning, which, um, you know, it's coming up here, um, I think about the things that we give up, the things we give away, things at a garage sale that are for sale, and it's always things that don't have value, mm. don't have worth. Um, Things like old shoes, old clothes, things that don't have value to us. And the reality is when a woman chooses to place her baby for adoption, she is not giving away something that doesn't have value to her. She is making a plan. She's being a proactive mother, figuring out who is going to care for this baby long term. How can she provide financially? How can she provide emotionally? Um, And that is... That is the opposite of giving up. That is, you know, entrusting her baby to somebody that she knows is better prepared than she is. And I think about um, a birth mom that I worked with, and she was just an incredibly mature young lady who had that fear of, I just don't want people to think that I don't love this child because I'm placing them for adoption. And we just had this beautiful conversation of, how for the past nine months she has been planning and preparing and thinking about what she wants in a family and thinking about all of her hopes and dreams for her child and how adoption can meet that and that is the exact opposite of what somebody would do if they just want to throw out old shoes or throw out something that doesn't have value and so I think that that's the best way to answer that myth. Amen and that's even why we use even in our verbiage, and we say these these women are placing their mm-hmm. children for adoption, almost like if you had a crystal ball mm-hmm. in your hand that was so valuable, you place it down gingerly and carefully, and you guard uh, those things. and And that's what these women women are doing. They're guarding their children in such a way that they're making a delicate choice for what that child's future is going to be. and And how many times do we see these women just just struggling over these decisions? But in the end of the day, they make a decision. Because because they know it's what's best for their child. And I even am drawn back to King Solomon and his wisdom. We know that the two women came to him and the, the babies have been 
switched in the middle of the night and the, he in his wisdom says to these two women well I'll just cut this baby in half and the one whose child wasn't the the mom said yep that sounds good to me the woman whose child that was the living child says no let her have the child and so that's what we see these women are doing is they realize what's best for their children and they're making that that decision and that really just heads into the second one right in we hear all the time women who place for adoption are just selfish Mm -hmm. so talk a little bit about that yeah and it may it may seem that way i can understand why people would think that because um so many of these women have made other choices along the way that maybe were selfish. And I've had women say to me, this is the first time in my life that I have not done some, that I've done something that's selfless. Um, and I think that when you are in the hospital after a woman has um, delivered, which I've been there many times, and it comes to that point in time where um, it's time to kiss her baby goodbye. And it's time to say that last goodbye in the hospital and there are tears and there are, um, there's deep grief because they love that child. They've bonded with that child for, for nine months. And in that moment, I think the most selfless decision they can do is say goodbye. The hard decision that they can do is say, I, I still want what's best for this baby, even though you know, every people might judge me. People aren't going to understand this. You know, she's um, she's physically gone through all of that, and um, we've had to carry girls out because they're crying so hard. And um, so, I think it's incredibly beautiful and incredibly brave to go through an entire pregnancy to choose first of all choose life for the child, and then um, to see the value in. What a fam- what a two parent family who's prepared and can provide in a way that she can't. Um, I-, I have a hard time saying that something would be hard for me or that I can't do something. And that takes a lot of humility. And I respect that in these women too. So I think it's the opposite of selfish. Um, it's a really, really, really tough decision that is for the good of their child. And that's, I mean, you hit that on the, the nail on the head, the first and foremost way we know that they're not selfish is they chose life. Mm-hmm. And in a culture in a day where it's so easy not to choose life, I mean, these children, these women could have easily chosen to terminate their pregnancy through abortion. Mm-hmm. They could have easily decided to take a pill. They could have easily decided to go. And not that that's easy, right? We know that that's excruciating. In the moment, it may seem easy, but it has a, a long-term effect. Mm-hmm. But in today's culture, they say that's what's easy. And certainly that's the selfish way. Then have to carry a child for nine months to, to, to a child that's going to take nutrients from your body and that needs the things you have in order just to give birth to this child and place it into the arms of another. That, that is the, the last thing about selfish. And, and that really also goes again into this third myth that we unfortunately do here is that women uh, place their babies for adoption because they do not love their children. Mm. And we know that that is not true. So talk a little bit about that, Christy. Yeah, I think that it goes back to the first two myths that if, if, they're willing to give away their child that that sounds like it's not a loving thing but if you in, if you think about it as they're entrusting their baby to somebody that's more prepared if you think about um, how difficult that is and how they chose life and went through that whole process you know it's um, that's that's completely the opposite and so um, 
Well, I even, I mean, even as you're, you're thinking there, I, I think of the young woman who recently brought in her child who had a special need and wanted to find a family that could delicately be able to take care of her child with special needs. Now, through God's providence and his foreknowledge, situations were created in that birth mother's life where we were able to help her see that she had the faculties to be able to take care of her child. And today, she and her child are doing fantastic. Her family's helping. Um, she uh, she is, is, is doing fantastically, but she didn't she wasn't looking at adoption because she didn't love her child mm-hmm. she was looking at adoption because she loved her child so much she wanted to make sure that that child had the faculties that that child needed and i think over and over again how many times you and our birth mother counselors are sitting down with women who are looking at these profiles and looking at these families that one day may be the mom and the dad of their child, and they're looking at things that, that are not superficial, but they're looking at things to say, I love my child so much, this is the opportunity I want them to have. Now, certainly they don't know uh, with God's sovereignty what will happen, but they're trying to make the very best choice that they can make for their child with love and compassion in their hearts. And, and that really leads us to the fourth myth that we hear that we've all we've really kind of repeated again as well in these lasses that adoption's just the easy way out. Yeah. So talk about how adoption is certainly not the easy way out. Certainly not. Um, I think about a birth mom specifically that um, she really, in so many ways, would have been an incredible mom, mm-hmm. and no one was questioning that. Um, she had kind of more resources than some of the women, and she was in a pretty committed relationship and was in a master's level program just she she seemed like um she kind of seemed like the ideal candidate for parenting in in the world's eyes but she saw so much she saw past that Mm -hmm. and wanted wanted more for her child and um I remember her mom just saying you're just doing this so you can finish school. You're just doing this because you want to meet your own goals. And she looked her mom in the face and she said, no, I'm doing this because I want this baby to have a dad. Mm -hmm. Every little girl Mm -hmm. deserves a dad. Mm -hmm. And it just made me realize that she could see bigger picture, that um, having a father figure is something that's so valuable. Mm -hmm. And um, while yes, she could have been a great parent, I still think that she was being mm-hmm. a good parent and a responsible parent by thinking not just how am I going to meet the physical needs of that child, but also how am I going to um, meet the spiritual and emotional needs and, and how am I going to provide in a way that, you know, what, what are the things that I'm lacking? And so while, yes, she is able to go and finish school and do some of the things, meet some of her own goals, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that that's beautiful part of adoption um and that's not her taking the easy way out it was still excruciatingly hard and I think even to this day she's saying of course if it would have been better for my child for me to parent I would have given up every dream that I had I would have given up the job I would have given up school I would have given up the guy if it meant that it was the best thing for me to parent because that's what she wanted to do but she loved the baby too much Mm. to give the other dream she had for him up and that that just makes me even think of, of that story about the fifth myth that we hear a lot is that these women just aren't taking responsibility for their actions. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of these other myths we kind of hear from the world. Mm-hmm. But actually, number five, we hear mostly from the church where we almost uh, unwittingly 
make this baby out to be a consequence of a woman's sin or a woman's irresponsibility, quote unquote. Not that I'm saying that, but that's how this myth goes. And so many times we hear brothers and sisters within the church saying, well, they just need to take responsibility for their own actions. Uh, But this is a responsible choice. So talk through how we definitely do not believe that these women aren't taking responsibility for their actions. Yeah, I think as a mother, the definition of responsibility, Mm. when you're thinking through long-term what I want from my child, you're thinking through financially. How am I going to financially provide in a way that's going to meet this child's needs emotionally? How am I going to be emotionally present and able to um, give attention to my child and really emotionally invest in them? How am I going to... um, discipline them and provide all of those things that that good parents provide. And so that is the responsible way of, of, of approaching parenting. And these women are doing that by looking at how can I provide those things through at a family that's, that that's adopting and that is prepared and that is, has been through a home study, has been through all these things and is waiting and feels like this is God's timing for them to grow their family. And so um, I think that that's a really beautiful, beautiful thing that they're doing. And it is showing so much responsibility. And, you know, we always talk about how we're in a culture of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm. You know, try to try to pull it together. If you make a mistake, try to um, you just need to be better next time where the gospel speaks into that and says, no, no, no. We rely on Jesus and Jesus alone, and he's the only one that can get us out of this. And he does that to us through adoption. And so I think that for so many of these girls, they're living out the gospel in a way that they don't even realize that they're doing it. Um, and I think that that's important for the church to realize is that adoption is not God's plan B for a child or for um, a mom, but it's plan A from the beginning of time just like this baby's life is planned a from the beginning of time and so um that's something that that is very important that this is a good thing and a beautiful thing and a responsible thing amen well i know as people are hearing these myths and hearing these stories they may be being pricked right now to say hey i'd love to get engaged to stand in the gap for these women, to to help be a cheerleader for them, uh, right? We know that these women come in with so many fears. Uh, their friends, their family, their community is sometimes sneering at them because decisions that they're making. Adoption is not a popular choice. It's not a it's not a choice that people champion these women with, and and they're being persecuted maybe by, like I said, the people in their own family or folks within their church or folks within their sphere of influence. And quite honestly, the deck is just stacked against them and their children when they choose adoption. So talk about how folks could get engaged with our birth mother ministry. Yeah, I got an email from a high school student. She was a freshman, and she was saying, my sister placed her baby for adoption, and I want to do something to give back because I know that this is such an important ministry. And so she got a group of girls at her high school, at her public high school, who um, it was just such a neat thing. She They wrote encouraging mm-hmm. notes to birth moms just saying, I think you're brave. I think you're selfless. And I'm just so thankful for the sacrifice that you made. Mm -hmm. And so something so little can mean so much to these women because you're right. The world's telling them that they're evil, Mm -hmm. that they're, 
you know, that the, the family is the hero and that they're the ones who, are ma- who made the mistake. Um, and so there's so many little ways. I think gift cards for these birth mamas, so many times they don't have the physical things that they need. Um, and then we're always looking for mentors, mm-hmm. women and men who want to come around these these birth moms and birth dads and speak truth to them, speak the hope of the gospel to them and just be kind of an outside mm-hmm. perspective and, and give them insight into what it means to be a part of a church family. Mm-hmm. Um, because as an agency, we can't be the church for them, mm-hmm. but they, they can step in and say, Hey, we, we're not looking for anything from you. We genuinely just mm-hmm. want to get to know you. Um, and so those are a couple of ways. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to get more engaged or be a mentor, obviously you can always email us at info at lifelinechild.org and in the subject line, say birth mother mentor or birth mother ministry and ask for that email to be transferred to Christy Harmon or to the director in your state to, so you can get engaged in her birth mother ministry. And Christy, what's another way that they can get in touch if they do want to take the next step and get engaged with our birth mother ministry? Yeah, I would encourage everybody to look on our website, which is pregnant at lifelinechild.org and just see what resources we already have for women and maybe that can spark their minds on how they can get engaged even further other parts of pregnancy counseling ministry that they can get involved in yeah, and when you go to that pregnant.lifelinechild.org, you will also be able to connect with Christy and our other pregnancy counselors and our team that are there. And I, I know even as we talk about mentors and getting engaged with birth mother ministry, one of the things that comes to mind is many of these women have come from hard places. Uh, as a matter of fact, we know the true reality is that many of these women have, have been on drugs or, uh, you know, we may look, the outside world may look at these women and say, they're just not safe. Like, mm-hmm. can I really care for them when I don't feel like they're in a safe place? So, Uh, Sometimes it just takes us out of our comfort zone. So talk a little bit about being a mentor, standing in the gap from a woman who we may label as unsafe. Mm, You know, I think every, everybody comes from places of brokenness before we knew Jesus. And we all have coping, (laughs) coping mechanisms that some may look better than others. Um, A lot of the women that we do serve absolutely have made decisions that are hurting them now and are struggling with homelessness or struggling with addiction. And it's a huge privilege to be able to serve them and meet them there and speak truth about who Jesus is to them. And we absolutely want to do that with wisdom and with Mm -hmm. caution. And so we never want to throw in somebody that's not ready for that Mm -hmm. into the midst of that. Um, But there are still ways that we can, we can, meet their physical needs and even help them with getting to um, rehabilitation centers and things like that that can help meet their meet their physical needs so that we can have those next steps of really ministering to them spiritually and I think about the families that we serve too, the openness that we have in those adoptions. Um, the agency is there to be a facilitator. We are the ones who are who are um, acting as kind of a bridge there so that we can be assessing the clients and, and caring for them. And um, through us, the families are able to then also be ministering to them. So, Amen. And so really that just leads us into how can we be praying for women that are going through these pregnancies, praying for our birth mothers? How, what are some maybe three or four ways that people can start praying for birth mothers? Yeah, I think... 
First and foremost, my biggest prayer for every birth mom is that she will have a support system that will point her to Jesus. Um, because so often we can't, we can't be everything to her. We can help her with adoption plan. We can help her with resources. We can help her connecting to all these things. But I want these women to have people outside of Lifeline, the church, to step up and pour into her and meet some of her physical needs, her financial needs, her emotional needs in a way that, um, you know, we can only do so much. And so that's my biggest prayer is for a support system and that ultimately she would know the gospel um, and be discipled in a long-term way, not just for the nine months of her pregnancy or for the first few months when the adoption is still new and fresh, but, you know, for 15, 20 years that these women would be in the word of God and be mentored by people. Um, We also pray for their safety, um, pray for their relationships with um, the baby's father. Um, So many of these women are in domestic violence situations and it's really um, just devastatingly hard to get out of those. Um, So pray for the Lord to just make himself known to her in whatever situation she's in. Um, those are the main things. And so it's a it's a good chance that through all those that are listening, they may know already or come in contact with a woman who's going through a pregnancy, uh, that she may be someone who could consider adoption or is considering adoption. And certainly we want to help these women and not just help them so that we can ultimately see their child placed, but help them because we want to point them to the gospel mm-hmm. of the Lord Jesus Christ, something that other people aren't doing and um, that certainly uh, – we, that we know that a lot of people are, are doing this devoid of the gospel. And so one thing we know, they can connect people, uh, these women, to pregnant.lifelinechild.org. But what's, a, what, what's something that people can do if they know a birth mother? You know, I think people are very scared to say the word adoption because of the myth that we just mm-hmm. talked about. They feel like if they say the word adoption to a birth mom or to a woman that they know that's facing an unexpected pregnancy, that 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 woman is going to disconnect immediately from them and say, you're judging me. You think I can't do it. You think I'm not brave. You think I'm selfish, all those things. And so I always encourage people to just say, okay, you've got three options. You're thinking about, you know, I don't know if you're thinking about parenting or abortion or adoption, but I want to talk through each of those with you and get you resources, um, get you truth about each option. And is there would you mind if we called together an agency where you can have a counselor that works with women who are in your same situation every day and um, who can who can talk through each of your options with you and so that way you're not putting a judgment on them you're just um, you're just helping them to think through okay pros and cons of each and we want I want to help you by getting you connected to lifeline and so um, and that's where our pregnancy counselors really shine. Um, they're not working with adoptive families, so they, if, if a birth mom decides to parent, then we celebrate that and help her get connected to resources to do that. If she chooses to have an abortion, we are going to grieve with her over that and obviously speak truth into that before. Um, you know, our prayer is that no woman would ever have to face the loss of an abortion, but if she does, we can get her connected to post-abortion support and Um, Then, of course, if she chooses adoption for her little one, we're able to hold her hand through that process as well. Well, Christy, thank you so much. And what a what a great team 
that you have as you coordinate these women who are caring for these birth mothers and showing them the light and the love of Christ Jesus. We're grateful for each and every one of you and are just prayerful that many will respond to be mentors, that churches will raise up to be a safe place and a safe haven for these women and these birth mothers. And so if you, again, if you want to connect with our pregnant uh, pregnancy counselors and our ministry to pregnant women, you can visit again. It's pregnant.lifelinechild.org. You can always email our team at pregnant at lifelinechild.org. And if you know a woman who needs our services, you can always give them our 1-800 number. And that's 1-800-875-5595. Again, that's 1-800-875-5595. And we will have all of these email addresses, websites, and phone numbers in the show notes wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, Christy, we're grateful for you. And hopefully this will take us a long way to debunking these myths that so many people place upon these women who are placing their babies for adoption. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. 